Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we provide an insider's look into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we take a deep dive into the technologies and strategies that have helped companies overcome operational challenges and increase the value of their multifamily investments. So, without further delay, let's get into today's discussion. Welcome to episode one of Sink or Swim with me, your host, Mitch Fanning, VP of Marketing of RenSync, formerly LWS. And this episode is a special one because joining me today are four of my colleagues who make up most of the leadership team here at RenSync, being Jason Leonard, co-founder and president, David Kosky, co-founder and, and VP of services, Mike Batola, co-founder of and VP of product and technology, and of course, Max Diamond, VP of sales, sales extraordinaire, and a big part of the success. He's been here a long time. He's uh, basically part of the furniture at this point. How are you guys doing today? Great. 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 Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for having us. So before we kick this off, I also want to give a quick shout out to Linda Hardiker, who is just joined us as VP of finance, and she's been really doing really great. So Linda, if you're listening, quick shout out to you and thank you for joining the team. And you know, once again, we all love you. So I've been looking forward to this today's episode because as we all know, you know, the company just celebrated its 10 year anniversary in as far as being in business. So first, congrats, guys. Thanks. And we also just went through a rebrand. So I'd like to begin really with an obvious question. And it's, how did this all begin and, and why? And Jason, I'll let you start. Sure. Thanks. I mean, really, it goes back to before 2010, before the business was even started. I was already involved in a listing site called Got a Rent back in 2005 through 2009. And you know, I saw how difficult it was for listing sites to operate in the industry and as far as working with clients, you know, keeping information up to date, all of that kind of stuff. Between Goddard and building LWS, I spent some time with Reed in Canada and saw the other side of the business and realized that there was definitely some challenges that both com- or both sides of the industry were facing and there was an opportunity to sort of bridge those gaps. So While at the REIT, I actually met Dave. He was working on a project as a contractor for the company and turned out that we actually lived in the same town, which was more than, you know, about an hour and 20 minutes away from where we actually met. So it was kind of interesting that we were, you know, from the same area and actually only about two blocks apart. And we decided to get together and connect over coffee and the rest is kind of history. You guys met at the Starbucks and kind of walk us through that that kind of first conversation at Starbucks. I mean, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, that, that meeting was... The thing that sticks out in my mind the most is, is that I'm, I've asked him to meet for a coffee and here he walks in with this baby carrier in his hand and he's got his one-month-old one daughter with him. So yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. That was, that was kind of the, the first employee, Dave? Yeah, it was. It's uh, quite the opportunity what Jason was proposing. I've been working on projects as a sole proprietor doing websites for clients of any industry and just had this idea of let's let's target landlords and build websites for them so it was a neat opportunity and you know now that i look back i'm glad i took it now of course you guys you know started with you know web design but you know as you as you started doing the work for for clients you realized very soon that you know the cmss that were out there at the time 
you know, we're not purpose built and, and kind of, you know, enters Michael Matola. So, you know, he came on a technical co-founder, started to build out that CMS, which was at the time, you know, and just was before July 2nd, Lyft, the Lyft system. So Mike, you came on the scene, kind of, you know, walk me through those, those first couple months, even first year. Sure. I mean, there's actually a cool origin story too with, with how I got involved as well. I think Dave and Jason kind of realized what they were about to endeavor and they were, they were like, oh man, we need a programmer. You know, this is a big thing, Very true. a big operation that we're getting involved in. So my mother was working with a company that Dave was doing business with. And I think at some point Dave was like, oh, we need a programmer. And my mom was like, my son's a programmer. And so that's kind of how I got involved here. We reached out and we met at Williams and started talking about uh, the business and and that's, that's how I got involved with Dave and Jason. And that's how LBS really got started. So yeah, the first couple of months, just building up that CMS, as you said, is Lyft. That was a pretty exciting time for me. I was working at a development company prior to this and, and wanted to take the next step in my career and, and jump to, to building a business, something I've always wanted to do prior. So I welcomed the opportunity and started building this, this framework and, and the product. And it was really exciting for me to start off. Now, were you know doing well there was there was some traction there but obviously you know it didn't really start to take off until you guys started to bring in that ad syndication piece and of course max came on the scene at that point and started to ramp up you know business so max kind of walk me through when you first you know came here you know you had you had come here from you know you started in another startup did well you came here you saw the opportunity Kind of walk me through, you know, from your perspective, what that first year, you know, a couple of years looked like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's sort of happenstances to how everybody gets to where they're at. And for me, I had driven down from Toronto and was kind of looking for my next endeavor. And, you know, just to this small little office in, in Thorold, Ontario at the time and sat down with Mike and, and you know, just did a quick demo of what the platform was at the time. And you know, the component of the platform that was, that had so much upside was RentSync, which is now our company name, obviously, but RentSync was really our ad syndication tool. And I remember thinking, you know, this is a really small company, four or five people. It's, it's not where I live, but this seems pretty special. This, this tool that could really help automate a lot of the companies in this space, their, their marketing and advertising efforts. And so through that, sort of built out a sales plan to really bring it to market and, and started to see traction relatively quickly. And it was always a product or service that really filled in a, a true void that was there, a gap in, in the market. And you know, I, I don't want to call myself a salesperson extraordinaire because that service itself was easy to sell. And the concept was easy to sell because it was so in demand. And, and so that's what really drove a lot of our growth in my first couple of years, which was just you know, 2014, 2015. Yeah. I mean, they always say that if a market is sucking the product out, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, of course, but, and obviously you, you, there was some traction that was gained there, but, you know, as a follow-up, you know, when you had to, if, if you had to kind of start all over again, what's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you, you started out? And so David, I'll let you start off on this one and then we'll go around, round Robin again. That's, that's a good question. I, I think we did it in the right way. I think I would have probably got some initial capital to grow the team quicker. We grew responsibly at the beginning 
starting out slowly with websites and building our CMS system to the demand of the client and slowly kept adding additional services and features to the product that they needed that would help them manage their website and their advertising. But I think bringing in RenSync a little sooner would have been nice. But I think it was a good slow progression into what clients needed. Websites at the time were terrible and nothing was mobile friendly. So this is when you know CSS and uh, media queries just came out. And the whole idea of responsive websites was something fairly new. So I, I think we've done well. Yeah, I mean, it's always hindsight, right? And we, and we still are going through that. I mean, even today, I mean, yesterday we had a management meeting and it was like, we, you know, we should have done things that we should have done like three to six months ago. I think it's always a challenge. Mike, what were your thoughts in terms of, you know, what were some lessons learned from, from your side? There's been so many. I was so young at the time. I was like 22 when this thing started. So just, you know, the, the pressure of, of growing a business and, and the toll that it takes on yourself and just, you know, some of the financial knowledge I didn't really have enough of when I first started and just the kind of just grasping the whole big picture of where this thing was going to go. I think I was a little naive at the time, just how, how big this was going to get. So Max, I'll, I'll pass the uh, baton off to you. What were some of your, your lessons or things that you wish you knew then that you know now? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest challenges in scaling the company, particularly from the sales and marketing side, is having the right metrics in place and having a system in place behind the scenes that can allow you to scale easily. And we didn't even know when when I got here in 2014, we didn't even know how to price the services and products that we were offering. And so it was a bit of a guessing game. And we never really sat down in those first couple of years and, and said, this is a model that would make sense for us, will allow us to scale correctly and hire correctly and build the team to support the service and, and develop the service to that next level. And you know, we were always just shooting from the hip trying to keep up, which is really common in a you know, small entrepreneurial firm. And it wasn't probably until about two or three years ago that we really started to conceptualize those KPIs for the business, but also the units of scale and all the metrics that we needed to in order to really plan for the future. And so my advice, I guess, to our our former selves would be to have thought about that stuff earlier and start to collect the data that we need earlier. Because once you kind of create that rat's nest of data, it's it's difficult to untangle and it's it's a big endeavor to do so. Oh, for sure. Jason, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I think these guys have really covered a lot of the key things that, you know, that you can speak to. But, you know, just going back on Dave's original point around, you know, funding, I I think, you know, when you're right there on day one, that's the one piece that you really need to be honest about with yourself in terms of what it's going to take to to build a business of this kind of magnitude. I mean, if we were just building a website development business and we were going to be, you know, a six, eight, ten man team into, you know, into the long term, we probably would have, you know, the money that we had raised initially probably would have been enough to carry us to build the kind of business that that would have resulted in. But the kind of business that I think we always envisioned and ultimately ended up creating took an awful lot more capital than what we originally thought. And maybe that's just the entrepreneur in me or in us, I guess, that, you know, you, you tend to fool yourselves a little bit in terms of what you think it's going to take and that you can get there on like these small amounts and it really isn't the case. I mean, you do have to think about, you know, what 
staffing costs and you have to be honest about how long it's going to take to ramp your business up. It doesn't happen nearly as fast as you think it will. You know, a thing that I like to, you know, often remind myself and and these guys is, is that, you know, you want it to be difficult. You want it to be tough because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So, you know, yeah. So at the end of the day, that's, I would just say, be more honest with yourself about what it's going to cost to get the business really up and running and, and where you need to go. No, for sure. And I mean, when you compare rinsing to some other businesses, we, you know, we, you know, the capital took, we, we did bootstrap for the most part. And, you know, it is hard, obviously, you know, you guys know it more than anyone. However, on the flip side, you know, what are some notable milestones or even kind of some interesting stories that you guys can share that, that you guys had along the way? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just some of the milestones that, I always keep in mind and and remind our sales team of is that the evolution of this company has been, you know, it parallels the evolution of of the industry uh, in North America and in Canada. And there's been times when we've gone after or approached companies that we thought we had a great solution for, and they, they didn't sign on for whatever reason. And, you know, there's been sales journeys with clients that have been three, four years in the making. And a lot of those companies' decisions comes down to these fine, small details on how a product or service uh, like the ones we offer sort of work into their day-to-day. And you know, there's been a lot of rewarding milestones and moments over the last three, four years where you know, the chase of a of a company or, or new client, you know, eventually they do come on because we've added that right component over time and never gave up. And it's not that we were specifically trying to build something for them, but just taking that feedback and incorporating it into our system, along with all of our other clients' feedbacks, like has allowed us to have these big wins, big moments within the company, within our timeline where we've signed you know, some of the biggest companies in Canada, we've worked with some huge companies in the US now. And, you know, every time we win a client like that, it's satisfying because it feels like we've evolved to that next step uh, where we can take on a more sophisticated client. So I don't know if that's a specific example, because I don't want to name any specific clients, but sure. that's, that's sort of how I've thought about that. Bringing in those big accounts has kind of accumulated to, or even maybe come to the point where, you know, last year we were number 94 on the growth 500 list, top 100, the fastest growing companies in Canada. So it's kind of been because of, you know, your efforts and the sales team efforts and even, you know, everyone's efforts obviously, you know, combined, but to get us to that point where we've actually hit some of those milestones like the growth 500. Jason, what are your what are your thoughts around milestones or, or interesting or funny stories that you can recall? <laughs> well, I think first and foremost, I think launching RentSync was probably the biggest milestone because it was a game changer for the business. It was the moment when we, you know, we weren't just a one-dimensional website development company and now we have this data syndication product. So I think that was that was really a pivotal moment for us. And it brought us into alignment with a lot of the listing sites and other other products in the industry. So that one stands out probably the most for me. But I think there's a few others. Winning the Niagara Entrepreneur of the Year Award in about 2017, I think, was a pretty big, pretty big one as well. I mean, we're not, we don't, we don't really focus too much on you know local politics or those kind of things. They don't define us. But 
I do remember that moment when they called out our name and we had won. It was it was a pretty surreal moment. You kind of realize, wow, this is actually kind of cool. The other would be probably right around the same time was about the last time we actually took investment from investors or needed any outside capital. So we've been running purely off cash flow for the last three plus years now. And to me, I think that's that's absolutely huge. That's a really that's a big, big milestone. Oh, for sure. David, anything to add to that? I think another milestone in the company was moving from doing strictly custom websites to building more themed express websites, as we're calling them, that really allowed us to scale quickly. Previously, when we originally started the company, everything was custom built websites, but we found that it didn't always fit the the client's needs and uh, situation financially. So we came up with this idea of these kind of pre-built templated systems that allow them to use all the functionality of the the lift system, all the capabilities that the custom sites had, but in a quick build, low cost upfront solution that worked really well for them. And it's allowed us to scale quickly in Canada and the US. Oh, for sure. Mike? I think these guys covered a lot of the great milestones we've had. If I can just throw like an accomplishment in the mix here, we built a tech company in Niagara. I mean, that, that alone to me is a huge accomplishment. We've created a lot great of point. opportunities for people in this area to have jobs. I mean, especially in the computer science field and, and technology, I went to school and you know, thought when I graduate, the only jobs I'm going to have is in Toronto. And, but we created an opportunity for I mean, we have a dev team of about 20 people. I mean, we created that opportunity for people to, have, to continue their life in Niagara, which is a great place to live. And it can be a great place to work as well. And we're not the only company, tech company in Niagara, but we're certainly one of the bigger in terms of the amount of development team. So that's just a, a huge accomplishment for us that, that we were able to build this in Niagara, this place that we all live in and love living in. And now we can all like, have great jobs and, and opportunities in Niagara. So I think that's like, just a huge accomplishment for us. Oh, for sure. And, and to give context for those who are listening who maybe aren't familiar with Niagara, first of all, I pride in being, you know, living here because it's it's kind of wine country. So basically, I tell people I live in wine country, and yeah, it's it's not a big community, but it has grown. I would say that we we are the biggest tech company now. Max, Max, you have an office. We have our our second office in Toronto, and kind of you head up that office, and that's also growing as well. But for sure, you know, having you know building a, a tech company in a community that's not really known for tech. And really being able to basically, you know, start out that footprint and really grow. I think I think that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, I think also kind of just piggybacking on what I said on the Growth 500, we are now 51 employees and we onboarded nine in the last two months during essentially a pandemic. And I think that's that was huge. And we did that all remotely as well. And, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've actually attracted talent from Toronto to Niagara, people who are trying to move back, right? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm noticing that as well. And even on the team, on some of the people that, I, that I've brought on on my team as well, they're, they're kind of making that choice to, to come from a bigger city. So it's good to see. So, you know, this anniversary is also, you know, unique because we've decided to rebrand from LWS to Rensink. What does the new Rensing brand mean to you guys? And how, in your, from your point of view, does it redefine what the company now stands for? I think what it kind of symbolizes for me is that we started, you know, this very entrepreneurial firm. I didn't start it, but, you know, Jason, Mike, and Dave did. And, and when I got involved in 2014, it was still a company trying to find itself. And we were just 
doing what we could to get traction, trying to solve a lot of different problems that property management companies and landlords had primarily in Canada. And we were moving quickly and we were extremely flexible and that was one of our advantages. We didn't really focus on brand or anything like that, but it was just find a solution. Actually, the name, our former name, Landlord Web Solutions, really represented what we were in that sense. It was find a solution. That, that was really what we were problem solvers. And you know, over time, we've found that direction. It's taken, it's taken a long time and there's always new things that pop up and we have to remain flexible and agile, but we found that direction. And now it's a little bit more about putting it all together into one succinct platform, which you know we're, we're doing. And, and so it goes right in line with creating unified single brand for, for the company. And it's, it's sort of now time to execute on the years of you know, pathfinding that we've done. And so that's what it represents to me. And also just from a, a sales standpoint, I can, I can say uh, there's a lot of companies out there that were calling us a lot of different names. <laughs> we got Landlord Web Solutions every now and then. We got LWS. We've got Lyft. We've got RentSync. A lot of people just call us RentSync. Landlord Solutions, Web Solutions, Landlord Web. There's probably quite a few that I'm not even thinking of. We even had a brand called Secured Forms. And so it was just too many brands and, and you know, make things less confusing for the market as well. So. Well, it's interesting before I, I kind of pass it on to, to Jason. Usually when a company goes through a rebrand, there's a bit of an internal debate. And one thing I noticed was even externally, I even, even spoke to a new partner coming on board and they're like, oh, well, we, we knew you guys as Rensing anyways. And even with the board, I remember we were having that conversation. It was just like, yeah, it's a good idea. It was, I think we all saw each other, saw the company as Rensing. I'm just glad we don't have to type those long emails out anymore. That's, that's why I think this is really meaningful for me. Jason, you know, what are your thoughts around this? You literally just took the words right out of my mouth. I've been enjoying, <laughs> I've been enjoying rentsync.com and shorter email address. So I can't even begin to tell you how many times I misspelled landlord web solutions. Somewhere there was a typo. So yeah, those. It's good that I don't have to do that anymore. You know, beyond that, I think rentsync. You know, it always kind of felt like the core of the company anyway. So it just really made sense that it was the name that we chose. You know, when we were talking about doing a rebrand, it didn't even take us that long to settle upon this. You know, we were talking about, you know, what do we, what do we do? What, what's the name we want to go with? And you know, it was this sort of aha moment where we realized the right thing to do was always there to begin with. It was the name was right under our nose the whole time. So, yeah, it was it was actually a very easy decision, and, and I'm happy we made it. And looking forward to what you know the next ten years brings. So. Mike, you know you you were really there. You you kind of are the the architect of RentSync, the ad syndication product in our in our product suite. So this is obviously probably a little bit special for you. The fact that it's now RentSync, you know, the name is coming to the forefront. Uh, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. You know, this is about the transformation, the next evolution of the company. You know, we've grown a lot, and we're going to continue to grow and evolve. And I think we're just becoming you know, more mature. We're coming to an adult phase of our, of our company and it's, it's time to, to rebrand ourselves. And I think we all just agreed that this was the right thing to do. There was no doubt about it. So 
I'm happy. I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think everyone before me kind of highlighted the right points, and I strongly believe with those as well. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm also just excited we got the domain renting.com. Yes, <laughs> so, Dave, any any final thoughts around you know the rebrand and and kind of what this means to you and and what you know what this looks like as far as a, a redefining of the company moving forward? I think Max said it well. It seems like there's a lot of confusion with our clients between the different brands that we have, Lambda Web Solutions and Rensync and, and Secured Forums and Lyft. It's just nice to bring it all together under one name, get rid of all that confusion. It's, at the beginning, Landlord Web Solutions was exactly what we did as a company. It made sense for landlords. They could easily understand it, but now I think it's, it's time to transition to a better name. No, absolutely. So positioning the company as Rensync, though, I mean, it's just the beginning, as we all know. Mike, without giving too much away, can you give the audience just a hint as to what's next on the product roadmap? Sure. Put me on the spot, I guess. Well, better technology. Absolutely. You know, greater control, better automation, and just a better experience all around. You know, better experience with, with our, our customer success team, better experience with our product, just a better experience with dealing with our company and our product and our, our solutions that we offer. Excellent. So as I've already mentioned, we've, we've expanded rapidly over 50 employees, which hasn't been easy. Even in the last year that I've been here, and I'm sure over the last 10, there's been a ton of challenges. So you know, let's, let's talk about it. Like what, what do you feel we've done well, even in the last couple of years, you know, growing that fast? And you know, where, where do you think we, we could improve or we could have improved you know, during that phase. Jason, this is the tough question. I'll let you start with it. Well, I actually remember some of the very first interviews we used to do, Mike and Dave and I, we would, our, our desks were all beside each other in our little four-old office, and we would just turn our chairs around and put the interviewee on the spot. <laughs> and, and honestly, we were, we were more thrilled if somebody was willing to take a job with us than, than anything. So we actually probably spent more time trying to convince people to work for us than, than the other way around. So I think it's, you know, we've come a long way, obviously, from those days. You know, we're at a point now where you know, we choose very, very carefully. We're looking for quality over you know, quantity. It's about picking the right people that will take us you know, to the next level of where we want to go. And you know, it, it hasn't been easy. I mean, you know, it is an interesting challenge trying to scale your staff. One of the one of the interesting things that we've noted here is is that you know we always keep expanding our office and thinking it's going to last three or four, maybe five years, the amount of space that we take out, and then within 12, 18 months, we're suddenly expanding again. Again, these are all good problems to have, and I'm certainly not you know certainly not complaining. It's it's just one of those challenges that you know you you have to deal with, and and it's been fun to you know tackle these things. Absolutely. So, Mike. You know, your team specifically has grown. Obviously, we've essentially doubled down on R&D over the last couple of years. And, you know, kind of walk me through your kind of transformation as kind of a, an individual contributor to, you know, essentially a manager and a leader at the same time, just over a, a short period of time. You know, what, what's been some of your challenges that you've, you've gone through? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I started off as a developer, you know, sole proprietor developer working on our code base and, and that's evolved and, and we've grown our team quite extensively, especially in the last two years, like you said. It's been definitely a challenge making that shift. You know, it's a different skill set, it's a different mindset being a leader than being a developer. And sometimes two very different skill sets and mental processes. So just 
shifting and evolving that mindset, you know, more high level strategic thinking than implementing, you know, I still have that solutions mindset where I want to just like jump into solutions, but I have a team of people that are amazing and talented that can come up with the best solutions and implement those solutions. So just like taking a step back a little bit and, and letting the team figure out you know, the solutions to the problems that we identify. So that is like the biggest cultural shift kind of with stepping into the leadership role versus a developer role. And that, that takes some time to get used to you know, giving up control, if you will, is not easy for everyone. And, you know, it takes time and, and discipline to do that. So that's been a, a big challenge. You know, I think in terms of like things that we've done really well is building a great culture and hiring the right people, as Jason mentioned, but just trying to maintain that culture over the course of these years. You know, we go from the startup company where everything's like, you know, loosey goosey and everything, and, and you move into a 51 plus company, you need better policies and standards and protocols without trying to be this like corporate vibe and and we have to walk that line of, of what's right so you know there's some improvement we can do there as well but we overall we've built a really great culture our people like to work in the office with everybody we, everyone gets along so you know i'm proud of that team that we've we put together and the culture we built and you can't force culture you can't just put up a poster and saying this is our culture guys like you have to live it and we've done that i think from the earlier earliest of days we've done a good job of reinforcing that culture that we've always wanted to be a part of and now the next challenge is just keeping that culture as we grow and as we get to 50 70 employees no absolutely i mean there's there's not too many places that i know of that people want to spend their friday night at the office watching movies together and that's just one thing and then that doesn't define a good culture but that's just one thing that you know, I, I noticed here that it's just unique that I, I haven't really seen a lot before. Dave, what are your thoughts around, you know, things that we've done well, things that we haven't done well, you know, fast, fast moving, you know, breaking things. What are your thoughts? I think at the beginning with a small team, uh, we're all kind of forced to wear multiple hats, kind of be the jack of all trades, you know, doing design and project management and there was times I was doing accounting and <laughs> some coding, but, you know, as you start to grow, you, you bring those specialty roles that are dedicated to do these positions. And it, it really helped us grow over time. I'm really glad you're not doing the accounting anymore. No, no offense, Dave. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> no, no offense, Dave. I love you, but I'm, I'm glad uh, Linda's <laughs> taking that on. <laughs> Max, what are your thoughts? Yeah, for me, I think it, it has to do with spreading knowledge and, and having a knowledge-based sales approach with our, our clients. You know, the product we're building is based off the feedback and the demand from the market. And, you know, far too often, because we're, we're buyers ourselves of lots of SaaS products and lots of software. I think as a company, we actually use over 20 different softwares to keep ourselves rolling uh, from an operational standpoint. And we go through sales experiences constantly uh, evaluating our own tech stack internally. And, and one thing that we always see out there is sort of this approach where an account executive who doesn't really know that much about the product or the technical details or the problem uh, that they're trying to solve, they're just, you know, a point of communication and a caller. We'll start that conversation. Then you kind of get led into your technical demo and it feels really, you know, discontinuous and you know, one thing that I've really learned uh, is that we have to always 
spread the knowledge throughout our own organization. And we have to continue to get better at that, but really understand our customers. Every single salesperson in our office, understand the business problem, business problems that the, that the customers are having. Every single nuance of their business has to be understood. The software they use has to be understood. And that has to be spread throughout our whole organization, you know, back to the marketing team, back to our customer service team. And something that we're being pretty good at uh, and need to continue to excel at and get better at as, as the company as scales and grows. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, full disclaimer, I, I'm the reason why the tech stack went up about uh, 25% this year. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's all about, you know, getting more efficient and, and getting those metrics like we spoke about. So guys, you know, what's next for RentSync? Mike, what are your thoughts on that? What's next? Where are we going with all this? Well, it's, you know, a redefining of the, the market and, and ourselves in it, you know, with building better product, you know, building up a, a true platform to offer our customers just a better experience all around in terms of how our customers interact with, with our software, our service, you know, we're, we're rebuilding various teams in our organization and, and really prepping for, for growth and really starting to focus on the market problems and, and just flushing out those solutions for our customers. Jason, what's next? Yeah, I think it's mostly just what Mike said. I mean, just creating an all-around better experience for for our clients. We're, you know, we've done a lot of research. Well, we've done research the entire 10 years, but we've done an extra amount of research in the last, you know, 12, 18 months, especially since you've been on board. And that's, you know, helping us shape where the product is going and we're making some know, some serious enhancements to the platform. And I think our clients are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be duly surprised and excited by what we, you know, have coming up here in the, in the very near future. Max, anything to add to that? I think it's just to basically firm up our platform as uh, the de facto choice for a lead generation tool, as well as uh, your marketing automation, if you're in the property management space in, in North America, firming that up. And then obviously, we're not going to stop. We want to continue to move you know, the platform in the direction of additional automation, additional data, and also decision-making tools eventually for property management companies, where they get good enough feedback out of our system that they can make you know, managerial decisions. No, absolutely. Positioning RentSync as you know, the de facto marketing platform for multifamilies, definitely something that you know, I'm, I'm very you know, obviously interested in ensuring that happens. Dave, any final thoughts there? Yeah, I think what we're looking to do is make uh, RentSync the central hub for everything, for your websites, for your marketing, online advertising, bringing the leads in making those decisions easier to make based on all the data and facts that we're bringing in. Just make it a seamless, user-friendly environment. Absolutely. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Okay, so I'd like to switch gears here and move in to a, what I would call a rapid fire segment. So I'll say a statement and you'll have about 30 to 60 seconds to answer. I'll kind of do the round robin thing again. Are you guys ready? Sure, let's do it. All right, here we go. So Jason, what's one thing you wish your phone could do? 
I'm going to go with better video editing. <laughs> better video editing. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? Well, I mean, I, I like putting little videos together, especially of my eight-year-old daughter. And, and you know, I played around with the, the, the built-in video, audit or video editing tool and it's okay, but I think it could be a lot better and a lot. There's, there's, there's more improvements that could be made there for sure. Mike, what's one thing you wish your phone could do? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know, man. It's I want my phone to do less. It, it does everything. I mean, I don't need it to do everything, and I don't I don't need it to do anything else than it does right now, to be honest. Okay, Dave. I wish my phone could uh, connect with RenSync and Lyft. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, can you? Yeah, uh, you know, so okay. It's it's coming. It's coming. Uh, it's coming. There. <laughs> Ma- Max, Max, same question. Never run out of battery. Just uh, innovation to batteries that never runs out. All right. That's okay. a good answer. I support that one. All right. So next question, <laughs> your favorite tool or app and why? Max, I'll start with you. We use a tool on the sales team. It's called Boomerang. It's a simple Gmail extension and it, it's really simple little tool, but it allows you to send emails late at night and have them scheduled to deliver you know, at a normal working hour. And it also reminds you to, to do follow-ups and such that you never really miss follow-up opportunity. And there's a free version, but we, we use the paid version. So for those of you who are our clients who are listing or prospects, Max does not get up at three in the morning. He's just sending those emails out to really impress you. So now <laughs> it's, he's the, it's the other way around. <laughs> I'm sending them at 3 a.m. And I don't want anyone to know that I'm that invested. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're getting delivered at 8.55. Exactly. Dave, same question. Your favorite app or tool and why? I think I'd say uh, Slack, just being able to stay in constant communication with the team, aware of any issues that are happening. I'm always getting that alert. So I think just that constant communication is nice. We just need a a rule to limit the amount of channels that are created at any given time. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, favorite app or tool? Rensync. Rensync? Okay. I'm going to go with the techie answer of the Unix command line. Because it's super useful. I still use it every day in my job. And it's invaluable to have a command line experience and expertise. Okay, that was a uh, developer's answer for you. So Jason, same same question. Does it have to be a business application? or No, it could, it could be a personal. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be business. I mean, so, so I'll, I'll answer both. On the fun side right now, I've been into MLB Tap Baseball, which has kept me sane during the whole COVID uh, period here been a lot of fun. It's actually a pretty good game. But as far as like a, a business app, I actually enjoy using you know, Google Sheets and Google Drive in general, Docs, I should say, you know, being able to, you know, work through documents right on my phone. That's probably my, my go-to. All right. So last question, what have you changed your mind about lately or maybe over the last 10 years or what has surprised you? Max, I'll start with you again. Something I've changed my mind over is this might be an unpopular answer. Taxes. I pay a lot of taxes, but I I see the value uh, that we get uh, as particularly here in Canada for the taxes we pay. We have really good services, and you know when you go through a pandemic and the world seemingly uh, is burning, you know I think Canada has done a fantastic job navigating the waters so far, and 
And it's because we have some really good social nets in place and, and good systems in place that protect our, our people. What do you believe that others might disbelieve? So David, I'll start with you. I haven't answered yet. <laughs> Go to somebody else. <laughs> okay. Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike, you're on the hot seat. I'm on the hot seat. This is a weird one. That certain foods should only be eaten during certain times of the day. For example, grilled cheese is a lunch food. Unless you're a child, you shouldn't be eating that. <laughs> <laughs> past midnight unless you're on vacation all rules go out the window with vacation i was placed in jamaica that had a grilled cheese bar at night we hit that up every day hot dogs only a lunch food unless it's on a barbecue accompanied with something else then it can be eaten for dinner i have a whole list of rules of foods that are only edible for lunch and only edible for dinner so that's something that people might not be on the same page as me because i tell people some things and they think i'm crazy so but i have a strict rule set of foods that can only be eaten at certain times of the day or certain meals of the day. All right. So note to self, do not invite Michael over for dinner and serve him grilled cheese. Okay. Correct. <laughs> Jason, one thing you believe that others might disbelieve. Come back to me on this one. Okay. Max. I want to know what happens to you, Mike, if you consume one of these foods at the wrong time of day. That's what I, want to know. <laughs> I ate grilled cheese for dinner once, like a few weeks ago, and I was telling people in the office about it. I was like, it was, it was weird. It was weird. But I had to break the rule. I just you know, nothing horrible happened in your life. No, 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 nothing. It still will happens, though. Something will. That something might. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Max, what you believe that others disbelieve is that that he can actually eat a grilled cheese at night. <laughs> And nothing will happen. Okay. <laughs> no, what, what I believe that maybe others disbelieve, maybe they believe more. I've been saying for years that I thought that there'd be a transformation of office space to residential in North America. And, you know, there's been a project here, a project there, but I truly believe in the next 10 years, there will be a huge transformation. And COVID is like, given the world this test of, of how remote work can be for so many offices, for so many businesses. And so I believe that we will see mass transformation from office space to, to residential in the next 10 years. Now, I've had this discussion with some people that say that golf is not a sport. They said it's a competition, not a sport. And I uh, disagree with that. <laughs> it takes a lot of <laughs> physical skill <laughs> and precision and athletic ability to do it well. And mental the competition against other people. Yeah. Yes. And, and mental strength, because I think a lot of sports are a lot of a mental, and golf definitely takes, takes some mental strength. If you mess up a shot, you got to stay strong and, and collect yourself and make that next shot the better shot, best shot you can make. So, exactly. I don't know. I just lose a lot of balls when I play. So that's that all I know. <laughs> Jason, back to you. You're on the hot seat. Yeah, no, I'm going to pass on this question. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> Last question, your, your go-to order takeout at your favorite restaurant in, in your hometown. All right, I'll lead off with this one. Okay. There is a, I go for the same thing every time, butter chicken at the Touch of India in St. Catharines. Fantastic, just fantastic dish. You know, I, I try butter chicken at various Indian restaurants in major cities all over North America whenever I get a chance. And I have yet to find a, a better, better butter chicken. So I've been going to this place for years and years and years and just love it. 
By the way, if you're listening, Touch of India, we will be asking you for a sponsorship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, my, Michael, favorite, favorite sure, yeah. place to eat? Honorable mention first is just buffalo chicken sandwich. No matter where I go, dine in especially, just buffalo chicken sandwich. But my real go-to takeout is from Frijoles, which is around the corner from my house, in walking distance. Fish burrito with the taco bag on the side. Best burrito you will ever eat. No other burrito place can top that. And the taco bag is just the most ingenious side dish ever. So go for nice. it. David? I would say I have two. There's a little donut shop down on Victoria Street that serves wonton soup. Fantastic. Yes. And another one would be pho. Uh, we're at uh, Pho Ying around the corner. Little raw beef pho soup and uh, Shanghai noodles. <laughs> so a donut shop that serves wonton soup. You'd be surprised. This is, this is sketchy. I don't know. It is no, it's renowned here. for having the best wonton soup ever. It is the best. But horrible donuts. They have, they have horrible donuts. <laughs> Max, what about you? In Toronto, I grew up at sort of the Young and Lawrence, York Mills area. And there is a very famous neighborhood submarine place called Belly Busters that just every kid grew up eating belly busters late at night in high school lunch at high school and they got a sub called the bacon combo bacon combo sometimes the turkey bacon or the belly buster itself yeah fantastic sub and and you can eat it any time of day mike that's the best (laughs) awesome well sandwiches yes there's no exception for for sandwiches except for (laughs) except for grilled cheese that's the only one that's a sandwich you can't eat anywhere else but sub or sandwich any day anytime Well, it's been great having you guys on the show today for our first episode. Awesome. Thanks much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, much. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rentsync.com slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. That's this week's episode of Sink or Swim. Don't forget to join us next time for another jam-packed episode. Thanks for listening.